Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jason Oates, the founder of the non-surgical penis augmentation procedure that we call Caliber. People call me the dick doctor, and I'll be talking all things penis, including size, shape, and function. Hi everybody, it's Dr. Oates here from Caliber Clinic, uh, one of the penis uh, or the dick doctors as we're, as we're known. Uh, no Gavin here today, but we do have uh, Melissa Hadley Barrett. Uh, she's a registered nurse from the Restorative uh, Sexual Health Centre, and that's why she's going to be talking to us. Uh, she's also co-host of her own um, podcast called The Penis Project, and uh, actually they're up for an award for the Australian Men's Health Forum for um, best content. And uh, it's amazing. As far as I know, there are two penis podcasts in the world, uh, at least that have penis in the uh, title. Uh, and they're both based here in uh, Perth, Australia. Uh, both started uh, last year in 2020. Uh, Melissa and the Penis Project has been very busy at producing uh, lots of content and uh, and that's why they're up for their award. So congratulations and welcome, Melissa. Thank you, thanks very much. I'm actually a sexologist and a nurse practitioner. Oh, sex, sexology. So tell yeah. us then, what is a sexologist? So a sexologist is someone who's got a postgraduate qualification in sexology, which I have and I did at Curtin University. Um, and I'm also a nurse practitioner. And the difference between a nurse practitioner and a registered nurse is a nurse practitioner has a master's degree in um, diagnosis and I can write scripts and do pharmacy stuff. So yeah. it's a little bit different. A registered nurse can't diagnose or prescribe or order tests and a nurse practitioner can do those things as well. Yeah, so is that further development from nursing? And, and it's something that's sort of really been developing in the last decade or so, hasn't it? I was the third nurse practitioner in Australia and I wow. got registered in 2003. Um, so nurse practitioners have been around for a very long time in America and England um, mm. and they have private practices everywhere. But I was working as a remote area nurse as a nurse practitioner until 2011 and then we got Medicare. So now we can work in private practice, which is what I do. Okay. And then you focused on sexology. What is sexology yeah. then? So sexology is the study of people's intimate relationships, really. And most sexologists are actually usually psychologists first. And so it's all about um, the mental health and the psychology behind sexual relationships, and which I do also do. But I um, think of myself as a clinical sexologist because I like to um, delve more into what the medical problem is in a medical um, how to fix it from a medical perspective. Okay, so do men come and see you then when they're having erectile dysfunction yeah. or something like that? Yeah, so a lot of the patients that I see would uh, um, post prostate cancer. I do a lot of penile rehabilitation. Um, I also, um, anyone with any sort of erectile dysfunction, I teach injectables. I write prescriptions for the usual oral things. Um, I teach people how to use penis pumps for this purpose. Um, I also see a lot of women with menopausal symptoms, such as vaginal atrophy. Um, and then I also do couples counselling, premature ejaculation, porn addiction, pretty much anything that is a problem to do with a sex life. Okay, very interesting. Well, there's, there's quite a range of things um, there. Um, yeah. What percentage of your work 
is sort of with erection problems then? About 75%. It would okay. be, yeah. So that's why Joe, Dr. Joe Milios and I started the Penis Project was we both work predominantly. She's a physiotherapist with a PhD in men's health. And so we um, work together really closely because with erectile dysfunction in particular, there's a lot of um, things that a physio can do to help. And then I will do the medical side of it. So together we do a lot of men. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of men with uh, erectile dysfunction, is that because it's a common problem? It's a very common problem. So one in three men over the age of 40 will suffer erectile dysfunction in their life. It's a very, over 20,000 people a day Google um, erectile dysfunction just in Australia. Um, so it's every a very day. common problem every day. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so well, if I had erectile day. dysfunction, I probably wouldn't Google it every day. So that must mean there's <laughs> a, a lot of different men over the year. Yes. That yes are... Sorry, I don't mean that there's 20,000 men individually record do it every day over every day 20,000 different people in Australia google erectile dysfunction but it's a it's a lot of men and a lot of googling it's a lot of men with this problem okay well, it's funny because the whole internet started up for for men to be googling porn and now they're uh, no I'm sure that wasn't why they invented, <laughs> invented the internet okay and so and then you said a lot of the men that you see are, are post prostate cancer surgery Yes, or um, radiation or chemotherapy or they're on testosterone-lowering therapy, you know, all of those kind of treatments that um, are for prostate cancer have some effect at some stage of the treatment regime on erectile dysfunction, on erectile function or intimacy issues. And so a lot of my clients I get from referrals from urologists. Okay. If I was a guy having um, uh, problems with prostate cancer, and there are options open to me with either surgery or radiation, is there much of a difference in erectile function after sort of successful treatment? It's just different in when it occurs. So um, men who have surgery will be impotent. So they'll have erectile dysfunction most of the time immediately post-surgery. And then quite often with the changes in surgery, that'll get better over time. So things will um, improve if with penile rehabilitation. Guys who have radiation usually don't have immediate effects with their erectile problems, but over time things get worse. So um, I certainly don't think that, but there's treatments in both of those instances and people can be sexually functioning again. So erectile dysfunction is not a reason I think to choose your treatment. I think it's about what's the best treatment for your type of cancer and then just know that there is help available. And in both of those cases, we can definitely deal with the problem and find a solution. Okay, so uh, if, if a man's had surgery for their, their prostate cancer uh, and it's been successful, and, and my understanding it's, it's relatively successful as, as far as surgery and, and cure goes. So yeah. I wake up and um, I'm going to be impotent. Um, yeah. Maybe the next day I'm not, willing to sort of jump right back into the saddle, so to speak. But um, okay, so at some point down, we're, we're ready to have sex again. What am I going to do? So really, ideally, you would see someone like myself pre-surgery, and then we would talk to you about what your options are post. And if you had any erectile problems before, we'd kind of put you on penis boot camp, I like to call it, where we help you to get it exercising and use it more so because the the penis is made of smooth muscle and we want to get that exercising so we on, do don't that. people always say you know there's no muscle in your penis 
Yes, they do. And they also say there's no bone in your boner, but um, there is actually smooth <laughs> muscle in there. There is no bone, though. Oh, okay. So because I think I'm only a doctor. Um, I thought I'm learning all this new. <laughs> I'm sure you know that, but your, your listeners probably won't. Um, okay, so, so there's yeah, smooth so. muscle in the penis. Yes, what? smooth muscle in the penis. Okay. And so without um, constant use, so when you're a young guy, you're getting 20 to 30 erections a week whilst you're sleeping. And when, you know, over that week time, and that's your body's way of taking the penis to the gym. So it's going up and down while you're asleep. You know, I always say that, you know, for women, it's like you're spooning and you're getting poked in the back and it's really annoying. Well, that's how your male partner's keeping his penis healthy. Um, okay. So that's just natural when you're young, you wake up yep. in the morning yep. and, you know, he's already awake before you. Okay, so that's... So you're getting older, that's sort of starting to reduce yeah. anyway, but then sort of post-prostate um, post surgery, we're knowing that's going to be gone altogether. But you're saying we're going to be able to exercise our penis before surgery. Okay, what are penis yeah. exercises? Um, so pelvic floor exercises that you do with the physio and also if they have really poor penile function beforehand, then I'd put them on a medication um, called Tadadafil. And the reason that would be is that if they had some, you know, nerve function of their own, they'll end up getting more nocturnal erections. So more nocturnal erections, it's like taking your penis to the gym. So the way I always think of it, if you go to the gym and you're working out your biceps and you're using yeah, yeah. lifting weights, then that works. Sorry, because there's a lot of background noise. My family are bashing in and out here, so I apologise. I can't hear them, but hopefully. <laughs> Good. Um, so, yeah, so the, you're exercising, the muscle pumps up and gets you know larger when you're exercising it obviously if you stopped exercising you'd get vaginal uh, you get um you know like yeah i've got that on my mind now you've um would get muscle wasting and it would shrink again and that's what happens when we're not exercising our penis regularly so it is really okay. important so that's like the the long acting version of viagra which most men will have heard of that's right. And it lasts in your system for 40, oh, 36 hours. And so we get people to take a small daily dose, which pumps extra blood into the penis shaft, gets it um, having a little bit more exercise during the evening. And then we continue people on that post-surgery um, and also get them using a penis pump, which is like lifting weights with your penis. Okay. I'm going to come to the penis pump in just a sec. Mm -hmm. um, so you said um, the, uh, the pelvic floor exercises, but isn't that what women do? to strengthen sort of their pelvic floor to, to stop incontinence, like when they're laughing or jogging or something, as in losing. That's right. So most men don't even know they have a pelvic floor, but we're actually exactly the same. We have the same muscles down there. And men's pelvic floor muscles are really important because post um, prostate cancer treat surgery, they actually assist with continence, the same as it does with women after we've had babies and they get a bit loose. We need to keep them tight and get them exercising again. But also they pump extra blood when you do your pelvic floor exercises into the um, muscles and the tissues of the penis. So that is giving more oxygen and better blood flow to the penis tissue and keeping it healthy. Right. So, yeah, pelvic floor exercises. The other amazing thing about those is the stronger your pelvic floor, the more intense your orgasm. So I think if they taught all teenagers that they'd have better orgasms if they had strong pelvic floors, then they'd probably be doing them a lot earlier in life. I don't know if teenage boys need much encouragement <laughs> in um, getting more orgasms. Um, okay. And, and so obviously... 
to really get a feel for how to do these exercises, they come in and see yourself or someone like you, you, yourself who's able to train them doing the exercises? Oh, they really need to see a physio who specialises in pelvic floor. So okay. I don't teach pelvic floor exercises. That's where someone like Joe Milios or there's a lot of male, like specialty pelvic floor physios. There's pelvic health and all sorts of um, companies in Perth physiotherapists that specialise in that area. And it is, is it a bit like women where they sort of start urine flow and then stop it and hold it and then start and then getting that learning to squeeze those muscles? Yeah, exactly the same. And the other, the way a guy can um, tell whether they're doing their pelvic floors correctly is if they stand naked in front of a mirror and then they wave their penis at the mirror, that's, they're using the right muscles by that. Right. Yeah. And guys often sort of bring that up to me when we're saying, oh, there's, there's no muscle in your penis. They say, but I can make it move. And obviously that's a muscle doing it. So that's the muscle. And so waving your penis at the mirror is good pelvic floor exercises. It's good for... (laughs) your erectile function that's good for the strength of your orgasm. That's okay. right. And so how many times a day do I have to wave at the mirror? Is um, it, do you do it like sets of 10 or something? And- yes. So now I have to remember the, the regime that Joe teaches, but it's basically quick and long acting pelvic floor exercises. And she, she teaches them in a certain way. And when she teaches men to do it, she uses an ultrasound and pops it on their oh. belly so they can see their pelvic floor rising and going down. But I think to get the exact um, regime, Joe has a website called Prost and that has the exact regime and all the exercises on it. So like prost.com.au? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get Joe on so she can talk more about the, the exercise um, uh, side of it because... Yeah. Uh, improving erectile function, more intense orgasms. Uh, I'm sure guys are going to be uh, interested uh, in that. Yeah. I mean, then yeah. you also mentioned penis pumps, like um, in uh, the uh, the Mike Myers movie, Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, everyone has that. I've got one here. Do you want me to show you? Okay, you show you yours and I'll show you mine. Okay. This one's my penis pump. Oh, that's it. Here's mine. But uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. Mine's... There's something special about this, but we're not ready to tell everybody about it. Okay. Of course, it's not going to work so great on the podcast side of it, but we were both no. holding up our penis pumps. <laughs> uh, and I'll blue. explain why I have a penis pump in my office on another day. <laughs> okay. So penis pumps. Well, what does a penis pump do? So there's a lot of like, you know, dodgy websites out there that will tell you using a penis pump will make your penis bigger. And that actually is a fallacy. That's not true. Um, But using a penis pump will give, if you pump your penis up, so the regime I teach is you pump it up, hold it for one minute erect in the tube and then release, hold it, do that three times in a row, at least every second day, preferably daily. And what that will do is if you've got, um, you'll get extra blood flow, you'll stretch the muscle, the smooth muscle in the penis, and it will prevent any atrophy, which is penile shrinkage and keeps everything flowing through there. Yeah. So to my understanding um, is that guys after prostate surgery, if they don't have an erection for however long it takes for that regrowth of the nerves, whether it's sort of one or two years, maybe, but then when they get their erections back, then they found that they've lost length. And that's because they haven't been stretching it out. It's that smooth muscle. Maybe it's that fibrous um, coat a- around the, um, 
the erectile tissue that's sort of contracting down. So yeah, it's yeah. A sort of a use it or lose it sort of thing. Definitely. And that's what I always say to guys, it is use it or lose it. And it's the same as all of our body, you know, like it's a common thing that I say is that God must be a man because the penis and the clitoris are the only parts of our body that we don't actually consciously have to exercise our whole life until something goes wrong. Ah, and such as somebody doing surgery and damaging your nerves. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they use the pump, they stretch it out, they use the, the medication and uh, that prevents them from losing that length. And then hopefully at some period after surgery, um, it's the nerves that are regrowing and reconnecting and they'll be able to get their erections again. Yeah, that's right. So the nerves, using a penis pump and taking the Tadatafil that I was talking about doesn't actually change. It doesn't make your nerves heal any quicker. What it does is it keeps the penis healthy while we're waiting for the nerves to heal. And nerves take time to heal, usually up to two years um, is when you get, and I have seen people's nerves even get better after that time, but the most common time is between 12 and 24 months that it takes for them to heal. Nerves take a long time. So what we need to do is keep the penis tissue healthy while we're waiting for those two nerves to wake up. And in that time, it doesn't mean you've got to wait two years to have intercourse again, because in that time, I'll teach them how to use injectable therapies or a pump with a cock ring so that they can have intercourse again. Okay, so with the injectable therapies, that's injecting a medication deep into that erectile tissue that then for, um, causes it to become engorged and it stays for a period of time long enough that they can have intercourse. So usually about um, anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour, the erection stays and Guys love injectables. They hate the idea of it. And once they realise that there's no pain, which no one ever believes me until they do the first one, but there is actually no pain receptors inside the corpus cavernosum, so, which is where the injection goes. So they can feel it on the skin, but nothing else. So it actually feels less painful, I'm told, because I don't have a penis, but um, then in, you know, when diabetics put a needle in their finger, yeah. um, or to measure their blood sugar level, apparently that hurts a lot more than the one that goes into the penis. But the great thing that. about, sorry, is that usually um, erections go down for most guys after they've had an orgasm, but when you use injections, they don't. So it means that men can be multi-orgasmic for the first time, which is a bit oh. of a bonus. And in fact, I was told that um, that's part of the secret of, um, of porn stars and this, thing that they, these guys seem to be able to just go and go and go and go. And um, that uh, it's just movie editing and um, the orgasm, which is shown like way at the end of all of this, that may have happened right at the start. Then they've had the injection and then they can just keep on going and, and, and going. And guys, so, you know, when you, when you see somebody uh, on, a, on a porn video who seems to be able to have sex for hours at a time it, it, it's or it's all fake <laughs> but you yes, too can exactly. have that yeah and you know i see a lot of young guys who come in and think they've got premature ejaculation when they actually don't because they've watched porn movies and everyone's got it up forever but really you know the average time anything over two minutes anything under two minutes can be considered as premature ejaculation but anything over and the average time is five minutes so that, you know, what we're watching. If you've gone for five minutes, you're doing a good job. You're doing amazing. So yeah, it's it's not common. And so I think that there's just an unrealistic expectation out there.
Okay. And then you also mentioned with the, the pump about using um, a cock ring. So that's not just for kinky guys or something. What does that ring no. do? <laughs> no, so the idea of the cock ring is you would pump the penis up and then and the cock ring goes on the base. And so it's like an elastic band around the base of the penis and it holds the blood in there. The only negative with cock rings is that they hinge at the base. So you end up, normally the penis goes, the shaft goes hard at the bit that you can see and it's like an iceberg all the way back into the inside your body. And so when you put a cock ring on, you're, you're like strangling it at the base. So you end up with a hinging point, but it's still very usable. The sensation is still the same, um, but you can't leave a cock ring on for longer than 30 minutes because you're not getting any fresh blood flow to the penis. And so really... A bad idea to use a cock too ring. Long, it'll be like a lamb's tail and drop off. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's not so good. No. Okay, so so this is we've been talking about guys and how they're going to manage uh, an erection problem after prostate surgery, and we're hoping at sometime between twelve and twenty-four months, uh, the function is going to come back. Do you, do you have any sort of statistics on what percentage of guys? have their erection function return? I get asked this all the time. So the research is, there's so many articles and the research varies between 30% and 70%. So, you know, and also the research is all quite old, you know, there's a long time from when research is done and when it comes out. So there's, you know, about of a five year latency period in that, but definitely since I've been doing this work, which is five and a half years now, I've seen a dramatic improvement in how quickly guys are getting their erections back. So it used to be, I never saw anyone before a year getting their erections back, but now it's not uncommon for me to see guys getting their erections back even at six months to 12 months and occasionally even earlier, just because the surgeons are getting so much better at their okay. surgery, you know, and also they, we do penile rehab and, we, we're actually actively helping people get things back again and keeping things healthy. So there mm. is a different, a big difference in what the outcomes now. Yeah. So potentially if they're doing that rehab, even before they have surgery and they start that like, as soon as they can after surgery, the recovery, then potentially that's leading to an earlier recovery of that erectile function. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's yeah. that's pretty encouraging. What about um, uh, robotic surgery? Don't they use uh, robots for doing prostate surgery? They do. And the fantastic thing about robots is that they are much less invasive. You know, men have six little stab wounds on their belly and the robot arms go in. And, you know, they're very small blades and, you know, much smaller a robot than you know, a surgeon's fat fingers and a big scalpel blade. So they do a lot less damage with a robot. So, you know, yeah, the outcomes from a cancer perspective are the same, whether or not it's mm -hmm. um, open, open surgery or robotic surgery, but the outcomes from a continence and an erectile function point of view, I definitely think they get these things back quicker because they don't have as much invasive things going on. Okay, well, it sounds like there's some um, some good news there on, on, on the surgical front, um, hopefully increasing um, early return or return of, um, of, of function. But then there are still some guys who never get that spontaneous erection back again. 
That's right. So there are, and that's definitely a risk. And in that instance, there's no time limit to how long you can use injectables for. Or what I find is most guys that have used injections for a couple of years or so will go, it works well, but it's a little bit of a passion killer when I know I'm going to get lucky and I've got to get up and get it out of the fridge and draw it up and use it. So then they might decide to go off and have a penile implant put in, which is amazing surgery. And they last, you know, for about 10 years, a penile implant, you get a little pump in your testicle and you pump it up whenever you want to use it and let it down. Um, often, interestingly, often guys will expect there's going to be something on the outside, but just for anyone listening, it's a completely contained inside the body. You can't see it at all. And they work really well, penile implants. So I encourage guys that are very sexually active um, and don't like this kind of interruption to have to go and draw up a needle to, to definitely go and speak to someone about penile implants. Okay, so that's sort of very simplistic, sort of a, a, a long sort of skinny balloon that's inserted inside the penis, sort of in that area where the, the erectile tissue is, that corpus caponosum. And it's got a tube that goes down to a, a reservoir in the testicle, and they, they basically, so is it like a, like a third testicle in there? Yeah, it's just like a, it's really small. It's probably only about two centimetres across in diameter and it's a little circle and it's just got like a little valve on it. And when you pump it, the water goes from the reservoir into the, there's two cylinders that go on each side inside the shaft of the penis. The water goes in and the penis goes up. And when you finish using it, you release that button and the water goes back in and the shaft goes back down. And then the great so thing once you pump it up, it's up as, as long as you want it to be up yeah. for. Yep. You can leave it up for as long as you want. Then they're, they're amazing. Fantastic. I can remember a long time ago, there was also the flexi rod type ones as well. Are they still a thing or is that? Sort yeah, of there's still these, they're called malleable implants. Mm. And um, the main reason guys would choose those is because some men, when they get a lot of um, penile atrophy or shrinkage, then it's difficult for them to get their penis out in front. So then when they want to go to the toilet, it's hard to stand up to pass urine. So they'll sit, have to sit down. And those malleable ones, you can use them for intercourse, but they're not as good as the pump up ones, but they're fantastic for keeping the penis in front of outside the body so that you can stand up to pass urine. So you can be a, a shower instead of a grower. Exactly, yeah. Well, what about with a pump? Can you leave it like a, a little bit pumped up so it go? looks more impressive. Uh, the pumped ones do actually, you do sort of end up with a, I don't know, a very slight erection or a bit of turgidity. In the yeah, you get a bit of a semi, a bit of a piss fat, but yeah. Okay. So you, anyway. All, but I guess that's one way sort of surgery. Once you've had that, there's sort of no sort of going back to. There's no going back. So the only times I, I always wait, tell guys to wait for two years post um, surgery if they've, to see whether or not they're going to get some natural erection back, um, unless, of course, they've had non-nerve sparing surgery. So if the cancer has gone into the nerves and the surgeon says, I'm sorry, mate, we couldn't save any of them. If you know there's no hope, then you may as well go straight for an implant if you're thinking of it, because you're not going to get your erections on your own anyway. Okay. They don't do that at all in the same one surgery then, get it all at out of the way in the one no. go? Oh. No, no. Well, you know, guys aren't very brave. Most guys I know who have had a penile implant are feeling pretty sorry for themselves for about two weeks and then they love it afterwards. So to have prostate removal and that all at once would be a, a, a quite mm. a, an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. 
Well, maybe it gives you something to look forward to. Um, yeah, to go through this big surgery and and what about the sizing of that? Can they? Can you go for like an extra large? No, unfortunately, you can't because it has to be. You, so you can get that to your original size if you've had a bit of shrinkage, but you can't get a bigger penis, unfortunately, because otherwise you end up with pressure areas on the end of the penis because you get these little plastic things. So you've got to be careful that the size is right. But, but I, I, I was naturally eight inches long before, promise. <laughs> uh, just I'm feeling shy on camera. Or... Yeah, that's right. Well, we actually, people can tell us whatever they want, but we actually get hold of the penis, give it a good pull out, and then we know how much tissue is there. So, okay. yeah. So there's no fooling you? No. There's no fooling us, no. Okay. Okay, so we've, we've done a lot on, on, on um, the, the post-surgical sort of treatment. We may even be running out of time, but I just wanted to quickly... So you said with radiation treatment, so that an alternative treatment for your prostate cancer is to have radiation. Yeah. And you said immediately afterwards, your function is okay, but then something happens to the nerves? Well, it's a bit of like, I think of it as a slow burn. So, you know, and the radiation treatments are getting much better all the time as well because they do things like putting gold seeds where the actual tumours are. So they try really hard not to burn the nerves, you know, and just to get the cancer. And But then it just really depends on where the cancer is. And if you do have changes down the track, then it's not immediate because radiation work slowly over time and so you might have good erectile function up for even like six to 12 months after the radiation but then get erectile dysfunction happening after that and I think um, there's a little bit of a misdemeanor out there that if you have radiation you don't get erectile dysfunction well you often do it's just later rather than immediately so okay. as I said earlier it's certainly not a reason to choose a treatment the treatment should be chosen on the best cancer outcome and then we'll deal with the with the side effects. And the, the way you manage the problems is basically the same either way. It is. It's just keep, you know, exercising it, use it or lose it. And the treatments for the erectile dysfunction are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And having radiation, I, I know that that can damage tissues. That doesn't sort of predispose against you having an implant, say, if you wanted, needed to have that in the future. No, not at all, because any of the tissue that's damaged is like not in the penis tissue, it's in the like bed of where the prostate was. So there's no problem with having a penile implant after radiation at all. Okay, well, that's, uh, yes. So it's yeah, two different ways. One is you, you lose it straight away and then you hope you're going to get your erectile function back. And the other is you keep your erectile function and then worry that you're going to lose it. Yeah, that's right. And you know, most men's erectile function is going to get not is going to go on a downward slope as we get older, just like the rest of our body. So, you know, it's just is it the age? Was it going to happen to you anyway, or is it the radiation? Or yeah. Hmm. Wow. So it sounds like there's a lot that you've uh, you've got to um to work on there. <laughs> um. I always think with prostate cancer, you know, there's three outcomes you want. The first one is get rid of the cancer. The second one is you don't want to have to wear nappies for the rest of your life. So that's really important. And the third one is you want to be able to have an intimate life. And, you know, I think whether that's spontaneous or not, it, obviously it's great if you get it back to spontaneous, but if you don't, there is ways of dealing with it. And I see a lot of guys get really depressed because they just think that's it, it's over, but it's not. There is a lot of things we can do to help. And that's exactly why the um, Restorative Sexual Health Clinic exists yes. so that you can help yes. guys do exactly. it. Exactly. 
But you mentioned nappies then. So that's the yeah. other side effect of, of the surgery. Uh, does it also happen with radiation that you can become yeah. incontinent of urine? Yes, but the same again, the incontinent of urine with surgery is straight away usually, and then guys do their pelvic floor exercises and that gets better over time. Most men are, are dry within six weeks nowadays with surgery um, and six months at the outside. And then, and if you're not dry again, then there are surgeries you can have to fix that. Um, but not very often do people need that anymore. And with radiation, it's the same. They um, are usually very a continent at the beginning and then over time they may develop some bladder issues or some um, bowel issues. But it isn't as common with the, the bowel and the bladder issues aren't as common with um, radiation. Okay. Serious stuff treating cancer, isn't it? It is really serious. Okay. Well, it's good to know that you're there um, and uh, to be able to, to help. Um, we'll have to get uh, Jo on in another um, podcast and uh, get her to talk more about um, all of these exercises because I'm sure uh, my listeners will be you know, interested in you know, finding an exercise that's going to improve their erectile function and uh, make their orgasms more intense. And their orgasms. And uh, yeah, and it may be, yeah, if you do your exercises, you're going to help prevent having uh, erectile function uh, dysfunction in the future. But one in three just years. One other, sorry, one other thing I think it's really important for guys to know is that they don't need an erection to have an orgasm. And it's hard to get your head around, I think, because we always associate orgasms and erections together for men, but they can have an orgasm with a flaccid penis if they stimulate it. And I think that's when guys realise that it's quite reassuring that, oh, not everything's broken, you know, and a lot of couples are quite happy just having out of course once they realise that they can both have an orgasm and, and it's not all about the erection. Okay, so out of course as opposed to intercourse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's a term, out of course, and explain. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, okay. So, yes, you could have uh, a prolonged erection, Without an orgasm, you can have an orgasm without an erection. Okay, there's lots of great information here. <laughs> um, guys might have to go over this podcast a couple of times, really get um, some of the, the details out of it. Look, thank you very much for taking um, so much time uh, to have a chat with us today. Uh, good luck with the penis project. Uh, we're going to hear later today about um, yeah. how you've gone with the Australian Men's Health uh, Forum for, for best content. Um, I, I would advise any guys who've got interests in uh, penises and penis function to, to check out the Penis Project. How many episodes have you posted so far? Because you're pumping them out, so to speak. Yeah, I think we've been doing one a week ever since we started. So I'm pretty sure we're up to 39 or maybe 40 this week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're much harder working on it than, than I am. So no wonder you're getting the awards. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's interesting. We've had lots of guys actually contact us and say, can we be on? Like we interviewed a guy in South Africa a few weeks back and we're interviewing a surgeon in America soon. And yeah, lots of people have been contacting us and wanting to be on and share their story. So it's really good. Interesting. Yeah, we've had um, much more trouble getting guys onto our podcast and talk about um, their experience of having their penis made bigger. But I think we might have found a, a couple which will be um, which will be very uh, good 
to actually have guys come on and uh but uh, with the uh, the YouTube sort of channel, they're all a bit concerned about showing their faces, so to speak. Yeah, so, um, yeah I can imagine. It's interesting. The one that I did where I interviewed you for the Penis Project about um, can my penis be made bigger is our second top downloaded episode, as you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> I Guys are interested in their penises, and um, yet guys are interested in size. It's just a just yeah, a fact. Yeah, definitely. But the there's no point having point. size if you don't have function. No, that's right. The most in, the most downloaded one surprised me. I expected yours to be high up on the list, but the most downloaded one was um, adult circumcision. There's obviously a lot of guys quite interested in that too. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll have a, a link through to the penis uh, project um, so that people can go and check that out. I would recommend it. Um, also, we'll have a, a link in, in our notes for um, the Restorative Sexual Health um, Clinic for yourself and, and Joe. So uh, a physiotherapist who's an expert in penis exercises for rehabilitation and a sexologist uh, and a nurse practitioner. Sounds like a perfect... Been, um, one of my patients calls me the erection fairy, so I'm kind of going with that. I it was quite cute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, Melissa Hadley Barrett, the erection fairy. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's great. Bye.